Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you for gathering us all here to uh, study your word and uh, help us to be able to understand and give us the Holy Spirit to know what you're speaking to us and help us to apply all this into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, I'll start. Um, Let me share screen first. Okay, uh, let's start. Um, yeah, let's start off by reading first of all John chapter 7, verses 32 to 44. And then we're going to zoom to look at verses, uh, verse 39 itself today. So let's read together John chapter 7, verses 32 to 44. The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him, and the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer than I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersions amongst the Greeks and teach the Greeks? What does he mean by saying, You will seek me and you will not find me? And where I am, you cannot come. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. So let's read together verses, uh, verse 39 itself again, which I'll zoom in to look at this verse itself. Verse 30, uh, John chapter 7, verse 39. Now this is said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, as we start off with verse 39, we see that Jesus has finished expounding on what he meant in verses 37 and verse 38. Now, uh, verse 39, when we come to verse 39 itself, we can see it as a supplication to what Jesus has spoken about. Now, as readers, when we look at what Jesus has spoken, it still doesn't make full sense to us. As, as readers, you know, we talk about the whole idea of living water. And so the evangelist himself, John himself, was gracious enough to show us what he meant, what Jesus meant. And he said about what Jesus had spoken was speaking about the Spirit himself. That John goes on to explain what it means by flow, uh, by out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said all this thing about the Spirit. It was not an outward physical gift that was mentioned here. It's not about that physical coming about of the spirit, infestation of the spirit or whatnot. And that's not the main focus of it. But the main focus himself was the gift of the spirit, the gift and the grace of the spirit. This whole idea of the spirit coming from and, and water flowing out actually has Old Testament foundation. You know, if you were to look at Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, it says, For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour 
pour my spirit upon your offsprings and my blessings on your descendants. So I explained previously before, you know, when it is the last day of the feast itself, there is the whole idea, there's a whole notion of pouring out of water. And even with the Jews, their understanding with the Old Testament is the allusion to the Holy Spirit. And so that itself brings us to the question, how do we get it? How, how do we get the Holy Spirit? How do we receive Him into our lives? How do we get Him? And so John himself goes on to explain to us whom those who believed in Him were to receive. Now, the Spirit Himself doesn't just work alone in that sense. He doesn't work alone apart from the Father and apart from the Son. He works together hand in hand with them. That is how the Trinity Himself works. The whole idea of the Trinity is not work in the three individual persons working alone and somehow working together to work something out. But they depend on each other. They depend on each other to, for the work to be accomplished. Now, how does one believe? And that is a question that we need to ask. First of all, we see that the Father, uh, the Father predestined us to believe. The Holy Spirit enables us to believe. And believe in who? Who is the object of our faith? Well, it is Christ himself. And so whom those who believed in him were to receive, these are the group of people whom Christ has referred to as those called out by the Father. That the Spirit will be given to them, given to those who believe, a spirit of regeneration, a spirit of sanctification, as a spirit of illumination and a spirit of conversion, and also as a spirit of faith and a spirit of adoption. That for us to understand anything in the Scriptures, for us to understand our foundation of our salvation, it is the work of the Spirit Himself. He enables us. He grants us all these things. And it is through faith in Christ Jesus that He dwells within us. It's promised to all those that believe in Christ that he, they shall receive the Holy Spirit. Some receive His miraculous gift. I think this is what we have seen in the, old, uh, in the New Testament also, that some of them will have uh, the ability to do miraculous works and miraculous deeds just as how Jesus has done so. But that is not what the Holy Spirit grants to all who believes. But all who believes will receive the sanctifying grace. The gift of the Holy Spirit is one of the great blessings that was promised in the new covenant for us. If promised, no doubt it will be performed to all that have an interest in the covenant. Therefore, all those who are within the covenant will definitely receive and also the spirit dwelling and working in the believer is a fountain of living and running water itself. In verse 30, we have seen that. Now all of which was plenty streams of flow, cooling and cleansing as water. They're making them fruitful and others joyful of it. When the apostles spoke of fluency of these things of God, as the spirits gave them utterance after it preached and wrote the gospel of Christ, which such a flood of divine eloquence then this was fulfilled. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. In the same way that is reflected to us in the very words of John, that the Holy Spirit has been poured out for them, for them to enable them to write the words of God to us, for them to pour out the living water to us that we shall receive through the hands of the apostles, through the hands of men, but yeah, on a spiritual aspect, we see the works of the Holy Spirit Himself. Now, for as yet, the Spirit has been has not been given at this point of time. 
Now we need to understand these things in light of what is spoken about the Spirit here. The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit has not been given. Well, what does it mean for us? Well, first of all, definitely we know that the Spirit was around in the Old Testament. The Spirit wasn't slumbering during the period of creation all the way until the time of the New Testament or even the time of Pentecost. Uh, the Spirit is not in existence. He always has been there. In fact, if we were to look at the Old Testament itself, when we look at Genesis itself, we see the Spirit hovering over the surface of the earth. And we know that it's hovering over the waters. And in fact, even in the Old Testament, some of the verses speaks of the Spirit of God at work within believer prior to the coming of Christ. And not just that, we see that the Holy Spirit himself works within prophets such as Zacharias and uh, Elizabeth, who were both filled with the Spirit as they speak on behalf of God. The Old Testament saints has all received the Spirit. But what does it mean then that they that uh, the Spirit has yet to come? Well, it's simple. It's not a full expression of it. That our understanding of the Holy Spirit is not yet fulfilled, at least in the New Covenant. We have not seen the fullness of the Spirit yet at this point of time in John chapter 7, verse 39. For he will come in the Pentecost itself. He will show to us what we as believers ought to know and ought to declare. And what is more interesting then for us to know also is that at this point of time, even the Jews themselves uh, confess that the Spirit is gone, is missing. Uh, I'm quoting from one of the Jewish scholars themselves uh, at the point of time. He said this, After the death of the latter prophets Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, the Holy Ghost removed from Israel. That Holy Spirit was removed from the land of Israel. And they even say, they even mention about the tabernacle, uh, sorry, the temple itself. Now, there was the first temple, if you guys know, and then it was destroyed and they built second temple so in the second temple some certain things was missing in fact five things were missing that was in the first temple and not in the second and this was the thing first of all the ark with the mercy seat and the cherubim the fire from heaven and the uh, shekinah and also the holy ghost and the room and the timing but most importantly for the jews themselves they understood that the spirit was gone. It's not with them anymore. Now, of course, as looking back, we know that this is not the case, that the Jews themselves had a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. But yet, what John has spoken to them, that the Spirit will come, that the Spirit has yet to be fully fulfilled in the sight, that He will come and He will be given to you guys to receive. One more thing to note is that actually in the original text itself, it doesn't render as for as yet the Spirit had not been given. The word given itself was not in the original text. The Spirit was not yet. Usually that is the most typical translation of it will be. But this is the point. The point is made here. The Spirit has always been around us. He's the one that enables us to believe. But the fullness of the Spirit, the full expression of the Holy Spirit, the full understanding of the Holy Spirit has not yet come. That will come in Pentecost. But nonetheless, we see the work of the Holy Spirit. And nonetheless, we see the triunity of God. Not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. 
that it was not as though in the Old Testament there was but just one Jehovah God with no spirit, with no son. But it has always been the case. The argument for the Trinity itself has been showcased over and over again, especially in the book of John. It does not just talk about our salvation, but it also teaches us about how God works in our salvation. That as the coming of the Spirit upon us, we believe in Him. And yet, it is shown here that the Spirit will not come until a condition is met. The condition was that Jesus was not yet glorified. That Jesus was not yet glorified. It was certain that he should be glorified and he was ever worthy of all honour, but he was as yet in a state of humiliation and content. Now, when we look at Christ's glorification, a lot of time we associate with his death that our understanding of Jesus being glorified is at the point of his death. That he had never fortified the glory he had before all the worlds he had merited a further glory and besides his hereditary honour might claim the achievement of the mandatory crown that yet that for the things that he had done on our behalf that he has been glorified by God. The Holy Spirit himself was not yet. The Spirit of God was from eternity for in the beginning he moved upon the surface of the water as I mentioned before he was in the Old Testament with the saints but yet it was waiting the fullness of the Holy Spirit was waiting to, to be shown to us when Christ was glorified. The point of his death was when the Holy Spirit was given to us as a comfort for us. The death of Christ, for in the cross he conquered and triumphed, and the gift of Holy Spirit of the Holy Spirit was purchased by the blood of Christ that we can receive this gift through the blood of Christ. In fact, at the point of his death, further on in John chapter 20, we see exactly what he's proclaimed here. And when he had said this thing, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Ghost. This was after the whole incident as Jesus appears to the disciples themselves and shows to them that the Holy Spirit is with them. That through the blood of Christ that we have received the Holy Spirit. There was not so much of a need of the Holy Spirit while Christ himself was around on this earth also, as there was when he was gone to supply the want of him. That we receive the Holy Spirit as a comforter, as a guide, as an illuminator, as a teacher for us to learn the words of Christ, for us to understand the work of Christ. In fact, the next thing that we see here is that the giving of the Holy Spirit himself was to be both an answer to Christ's intercession and also an act of his dominion. And therefore, till he is glorified and enters upon both of this, the Holy Spirit was not given. That the Holy Spirit himself comes from both the Father and the Son. That he was sent by both the Father and the Son. That the Holy Spirit comes to us, us after the death of Christ. The conversion of the Gentiles was the glorifying of Christ. When certain Greeks began to inquire after Christ, he said, Now is the Son of Man glorified. Now the time when the gospel should be propagated in the nations was not yet to come. That the gospel itself to the ends of the earth was not yet. The gift of the tongues have not arrived yet. But soon it will. Soon in Acts we see that was the call to go out 
preach to the Gentiles nation, to preach to the ends of the earth, that the gifting of the Holy Spirit to enable us to work for the gospel itself. I think this is something that we need to see also. I think this is the main point that we need to see today. The work of the Holy Spirit within our own salvation, within the salvation of the peoples of this world. So often of times we are afraid to preach the gospel, we are afraid to approach our friends, we are afraid to tell people about Christ. But how often do we pray for courage, pray for the Spirit's guide, pray for the Spirit to teach us the things that we ought to say, the things that we ought to give to them, that we ourselves may be rivers of living water in one aspect, that we ourselves may through the word of Christ teach and bring people to the gospel to receive Christ. I think as as I mentioned plenty of time before, we are very privileged to be living in this day and age. That we have seen the fullness of Christ, that we have seen the glorification of Christ, that we have understood the glorification of Christ. And we have been given the Holy Spirit to dwell among us, dwells within us to teach us all these things. How firmly are we holding to our faith? How much do we seek for the Holy Spirit? How much do we seek for Christ? How much do we seek for the Father? Something for us to think about more. Something for us to reflect upon more also. And with that, I will end us off here today for us to contemplate on this passage of scriptures. See the work of the Holy Spirit. See the work of Christ and see how the Trinity works in our salvation. Let me close us in prayer. Gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for granting us this passage of scriptures today, Lord, to see the Holy Spirit working, to see the Holy Spirit working with Christ in our salvation, Lord. That without you, Lord, no man can come before you. That without your salvation, Lord, no man can see your face. Thank you, Father, for granting us this wonderful salvation, Lord to help us to understand this wonderful salvation that you have given to us. Lord, that you may continue to grant us to the Holy Spirit, to guide us in our day-to-day -day life, to guide us to learn from your word, to guide us to preach your word to our friends who are losing their souls, Lord. Help us, O oh Lord, to bring people back to Christ. Teach us, O oh Lord, the ways that we should go in our daily lives. Thank you, Father, once again for tonight, for gathering us today, Lord, to continue to read through John, and Lord, may you continue to help us, guide us, teach us, and teach uh, and help us to understand your word. Thank you, Father. And we pray always in Jesus' most precious name. Amen.